Bryce Dos Uno! What is going on, everybody? My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor Martin. It is another episode of Thirsty Smurfing Thursday. I don't know about y'all, but I have a thirst that cannot be slaked right now. And uh, and it's a good thing because we have uh, the the slaker of slakest, the the quenchest of quenchers. I have no idea where I'm going with this. Wait, 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 um, yeah, where, from, where are we going here? Uh, this is AP <laughs> English with Brother Robert at Christian Miller's High School. And I'm trying to think of all the vocabulary words that he used on a regular basis. Uh, we have Ray, Ryan, and of course, we have a special guest this evening, gentlemen. Who do we have on the roster? Oh, isn't it? Oh, where's, where's he at? Is he here? There he is. Wow! Look at that. There he is. Paul, what up, fellas? Literally a top five all-time Thirsty Thursday episode, and we brought him back for more. So, oh. Paul Castleberry in the house. I, I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. I think it's all. It, I'm, it, it, I, the last time you were on, it was a wonderful conversation, wide-ranging, and guys, I don't know if you've been following along, but Homeboy is doing work at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say the least. A lot, say so, the least. I'm just honored to be got, here in everybody's midst, man. You guys are, uh, you guys are a good group of dudes, and I've learned a lot from you, and I just appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Learned, learned no how to You're welcome. how to ratchet up being an asshole. That's uh, we <laughs> got figured out. On a, how to I, get I, I how to do how to, all hours of the day. No, how, how to do a true burn and return there, Paul? Right? Well, that's, not true. That. that's true. How how to oh, do a true burn, burn and return? Just a little bit longer, and the returns a little bit longer. But I think it's going to work out good. I, I, he's just mm-hmm. taking the long. He's taking the scenic route on the burn and return. I am. That's a good way to put that. Yeah, we'll go yeah. with that. I I'm okay. sure we'll get to that point. Not to spoil anything, but yeah, people were looking at me like I was, I was on something, and I was doing that. So. Oh, I get that all the time. I get the what, what's what's wrong with that field? Why why are you taking it? Well, it's, it's really not that good. Nah, just buckle in and sit well, back. Yeah. So uh, I th- listen. I was going to say. Go I think. I think we're pretty good at accumulating the uh, the psychopathic stalkers that uh, just have managed to figure out how to stay out of uh, uh, involuntary commitment type of scenarios. Which, by the way, I got another phone call again at like eleven o'clock last night. It's amazing. We've we've no. moved. We moved into off show hours now with the uh, with the with phone calls still going. It's pretty pretty impressive. It's a crazy uh, phone call, man. Get us get us back to uh, get us back to reality. <laughs> oh no, I Bring was just going to say, uh, yeah. I mean, for those that don't know you, don't that don't know Castleboy, maybe have not watched anything on your channel or uh, especially the. Thirsty Thursday episode because I thought we dove in really deep on some of where you came from and everything like that. And we don't need to rehash all of that, but just give us the quick, you know, the quick and not so dirty um spiel on who you are, where you came from, where you're at right now, and what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> uh well it all started in a December of nineteen eighty four. That's that's where it all began. <laughs> but it was a cold night. Um yeah, no, born and raised in Georgia. Um, and, uh, I, I, I started out in a, in a digital marketing career, which led me to a little company, uh, and again, not to rehash everything, but just a little background, but started at a digital marketing company, uh, 
e-commerce company called do my own. And, uh, there I got hired to do video marketing for them to just make how to tutorial videos on, on the SKUs that they had pumping out the door. And that led to creating lawn care videos. They needed a voice and a face to do that. They were going to hire a guy from Florida to do that. And I said, no, I'm your video guy. I'm going to do that. And so just out of necessity, I started making lawn content and, uh, I, I did not think I would fall in love with lawn care. Uh, it seems to be the, the scenario with a lot of folks that we talked to and in the groups that we're part of, they didn't want to be a part of lawn care or get into it. It just was a, ch a chore and a task for them. But, um, yeah, I started doing the videos on that and I'm like, Hey, you know what, this is kind of fun. And I started going down that rabbit hole of learning X, Y, and Z on how to make grass grow and make it green and kill weeds and not kill grass. And one thing led to another and here I am now doing this kind of crap on my own YouTube channel in my own yard and trying to make it look good. So is that quick and dirty enough for you? Is that what I miss? That's wonderful. Uh, nothing. I think that's wonderful. So, I mean, so in the, in the space of learning how to make grass grow and everything like that, I think that's a journey that we see people take different paths, different routes and have different, um, no rate either rates or impacts of discovery i guess is what i would call it right so like we've seen people go from uh to, to kind of rehash a little bit of where you came from we've seen people kind of go down that path and maybe we're you know we're learning a certain way or we're using certain products and then came to realize that well hey like there's more than one way to do this and maybe this isn't mm -hmm. you know the way i want to do it or whatever so in that sense in that vein how just in that sense how has that informed your content of how you try to i guess conceptualize your videos first when you're putting stuff out is it really just like hey i'm going to show what i'm doing or is there a lot of thought that's put behind hey if somebody were in my shoes where i was at some other point in my journey i might want to hear this this or that how do you approach that like that beginning conceptual portion of content creation Oh, that's an awesome question, man. I, uh, it was a good question. It really, like about a year ago when we moved into the house that we're in, financially, we just, I mean, this, this house was like a money pit to, to move into it. We had everything go wrong with it. Oh my gosh. I mean, literally furnace, flood, flooring, Ooh. kitchen, like name it, it all went wrong. So that first season in, into the house that we uh, moved into, I, there was no budget uh, to do anything in the yard. And so it was like turf boss came in. It's like, we can't do that. Like, there's no way, like we don't have the budget to do that. I, we want to just can't. Um, so it was like, all right, well, we just got to put a bandaid on things and do what we can. And like with the least amount of money possible. Um, and so coming from having just any skew that I would want to just pick off the shelf, throw it at the lawn, make a video out of it and have it turn out great to, oh man, I'm gonna have to save up some money to buy that herbicide to, to kill the weeds next month, hopefully. And so that's kind of where it, it, it started again for me on my journey of having to go back to the absolute basics and dial it back, not, you know, get top shelf stuff to dump onto the yard to get the grass to grow. It, uh, it was very much bare bones, gotta go back to the basics and figure this thing out. And I'll tell you what, man, that first season after we put the trash grass down and I installed uh, 
that crappy irrigation system in the back. Learned a whole lot. And uh, a lot of stuff died. We had a lot of problems, um, mountain of problems. And yeah, everything just kind of died. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we have to start over again. That failed, but we learned something. Mm. We learned the irrigation is not that great. We learned that trash grass probably isn't the best thing to to throw down. Let's let's handpick some seed. Let's put a little thought into this and go at it methodically and uh, not just put a Band-Aid on things. So, yeah. I, uh, that's a tough point for people to hear. So that's another point I want to dig deeper on is... <sighs> And you've probably seen this in your content creation, both in people commenting and developing videos and getting questions back and all the kind of interaction that takes place. Is it, do you think it's strictly a budget issue when it comes down to, I'm going to band-aid this and not do what I think I need to do? Or let's take budget off the table. How do people talk themselves into doing things that aren't completely right in the lawn care space? We don't need to go into life because that's a whole different story. But it seems like this is a common mistake that people make over and over and over again. You kind of almost see it coming once you get enough experience under your belt. So what, what do you think is going through people's heads as you've seen it, you know, come back through comments or questions or things that pop up in your feeds and things like that? What do you see that people you're just like, oh boy, this is not going to turn out well. And I know already that it's not going to turn out well because it's not fixing the root of the issue. I, I think what I've seen and, conversations that I've had people I think they get trained to think they got to do x y and z with this stuff and it's like well I it's kind of hard to have an answer to that without talking about budget but I think people do have to consider that that Mm -hmm. uh, well I can't go buy that hundred dollar bag of whatever I've got to get the cheap crap on the bottom shelf of the Walmarts uh that's got the discount label on it and maybe I'll toss that out and hope and pray that it works. But I think that's a problem too, is that people, they, they want it, but they necessarily don't want to do it. Maybe that's an unfair statement or a blanket statement to make for a lot of people, but especially with some of some people I've had an interaction with around here is, man, that looks awesome. What'd you do? Well, I did this, this, and this, and this is what you got to do. And here's how you got to maintain it. A lot of them are just like, um, that sounds like a little bit of work. I don't, I don't know about that. So I think, I don't, I I don't know. I think that's kind of where people get hung up a little bit is that takes a good amount of effort and yeah, it does. And you gotta, you gotta look at things a little bit, read some labels, do a little bit of studying to have success. And maybe that's where we get hung up and stumble. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I was going to say, I kind of want to hear everybody's opinion on this because, uh, I, (laughs) I How long think, you got, buddy? Uh, yes, because <laughs> I think all three, all four of us uh, here are going to have different takes on this based on the types of interactions we get. What do you, what do you, what do you got, Demay? I, I, I just see quasi condensed version. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I, I see people with a lot of mental gymnastics that think that, you know, we're a society of hacks. Now, you know, I can hack this, I can do this, I can shortcut this and get, you know, 80, 20 rules, things like that. There, you know, there are some, some axioms and some rules and, uh, words to live by and turf that'll save you some time, save you some money. But generally speaking, just like Paul said, like you have to do the work. And I think that's where people get hung up is that they either get somewhat into it and then realize this is too much. So maybe it, maybe what it is, is that, uh, it's some of that, some of, not seeing it from the end and working their way backwards 
and so they don't mm. you know start and then get halfway and fail but the yeah. whole band-aid thing the fact that you know a product and i'll turn this over to ray ray how often would you say that a product is the way out or some newfangled solution or something like that i mean i i i don't see that happening very often other than just good agronomy and i go back to that whole thing of hey we grow grass well on six continents and we don't have uh green county fertilizer or yard mastery or any i don't care who anderson's whatever don't have those all on the same continent right carboner and it works out pretty well, good oh i got a comment Carboner's. i got a comment there but i'm gonna let ray go <laughs> rest in pieces sir Ray, you're muted. Uh oh, Ray, Ray's Ray's making a great point right now, and the only person who hears him <laughs> is the little dogs next door. Damn it! <laughs> while while Ray gets that fixed, you're still not coming through, Ray. Um, while while he gets that fixed, I'll just I'll chime in for a second here, and and my my school of thought on this in this again is purely based on the interactions that I pay most attention to. So understand that's going to be skewed by my own mental illness, right? Um. But <laughs> sure. the um, uh, so much of it, I think that when you have to look at it from purely an agronomic standpoint, right, of trying to tackle problems with agronomy, it highlights how much of the rudimentary, boring, basic, uh, uh, you know, turfgrass one hundred and one level understanding that you don't have, and immediately jump towards tackling the great abyss the unknown of uh, the soil microbiome, right? And, mm. and I, I, I don't know why, but there's something about the great unknown, right, of, of the, the soil microbiome and fixing that that registers so much more emotionally with people. Um, and and I, case in point is that if I put out 10 videos about the mystery of soil and how we're going to manipulate it with biology and blah, 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 and it's going to save the world and the planet versus, you know, uh, the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, and chances are that a lot of the phosphorus and potassium we apply, we probably don't need to apply. And you look at the analytics of both of them, uh, the things about the soil and the great unknowns and all of that are going to do incredibly well in comparison. 3X, 4X, 5X, 10X mm. in some instances, right? And mm. I feel like it's the, the, the if, you, if you circumvent the rudimentary, um, it allows the person who doesn't accept it to avoid critique of the gap of their understanding, right? Like mm. the, the Dunning-Kruger effect becomes more apparent oh. if you admit, um, if, if, you, if, you, if you bypass N, P, and K, right? Like, um, God, I'm really struggling with words on this, right? Do you, but do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's going to become ever yeah. apparent that if you, <clears throat> if you start talking about, you know, what you're trying to do NPK related, and it's obvious then that, that you don't have a rudimentary understanding, then that becomes easier to critique versus if you're mm. trying to manipulate something that is not really well understood, like soil biology and, and, and bacterial interactions and soil fungi uh, uh, interactions and plant root uh, fungi relationships. And you start talking about that aspect of it. Nobody really knows. Even, even science is still lacking in a lot of instances in, in that way of mm. unpacking. So in other words, Matt, or whatever. 
versus yeah. versus so you know, words, looking Matt, at MPK, yeah. science is there. So, you know, one highlights mm -hmm. the gap of what you understand. The other one is, you know, it allows you to talk freely about whatever you want because nobody can really critique you there because there is no real fucking understanding as to what it is. Mm. You know what that means, Matt? Is that mm. when people start talking about all this soil biology stuff, that just allows them to bullshit and scam. Okay? Anytime there's convo about soil biology, I shut that down as bullshit and scam. Don't come to me with that. First start talking to me about drainage, soil texture, pH, and NPNK. And if we're not talking about that, then I know that I'm dealing with somebody that is trying to circumvent fundamentals of agronomy and is trying to dazzle me with bullshit and take my money and take other people's money. Because, mm. Matt, do you realize what the scam is in my area that really, really pisses me off? What's that? The wildfires? Compost. <laughs> Compost. Compost just pisses me the hell off. And do you know why compost pisses me off? Because it smells? <laughs> no, it's because people using it have no concept of the fact that when they use it in the quantities that it is normally used in, they are grossly over-fertilizing the area. And I'm talking about grossly. Mm. Because, Paul... If somebody told you to apply 45 to 90 pounds of nitrogen per thousand square foot to an area as a fertilizer in a bag, would you do that? I'd say go back to bed. <laughs> yeah. Have another Forget. gummy. Yeah. No, yeah. No, well, we, have, we have these ha hackers that want to circumvent basic agronomy and, uh, and soil chemistry and tell you, Oh, just bring in three inches of compost and everything will be all right. You can disregard NPNK. You can disregard pH. You can, you can just put everything on autopilot and not think about anything about what you're doing. Just put compost on it. Mm. I would say well, that I'll tell you of, what. of the hundreds of people that I know in this industry that range from uh, 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 really good at what they do to exceptionally phenomenal at what they do. And I would say legitimately, I probably know a hundred people that fall into that category um, on, a, on a decently personal level. I bet I know 10, I was just trying to count 10, maybe 12 that have a very high level understanding of actually manipulating soil to the point of, of using biology to your advantage. Um, that is how, and, and, and the thing is, is that I could take those same 12 people and put them in everyone else's uh, uh, in, environment, right? Like if I, if I just rotated them all to be in new environments, new soil types, new conditions, uh, mm -hmm. uh, new, new climate, I, they would all be lost at where they were, right? And uh, and so, you know, my my point there is that it's it's not to say that it can't be done. It's just that there there the number of people that genuinely know how to do that is so small, and what mm. they have been able to figure out is so nuanced that a lot of it doesn't even parlay over into other areas. So it would be difficult to teach it in such a way, other than like. 
I know this works here and it's not likely going to work for you there because we don't have all of these conditions that are one-to-one, right? And as you mm. get to know mm. those people, that's that's like one of the first things they'll tell you is that like, <laughs> you know, good luck in your area because, you know, it it's not going to work because you've got this situation going on and not insert whatever hypothetical you want. But um, again, yeah. it, it is such a highly finite number of people there. However, there's something emotionally attractive about that. Um, and and uh, again, I, I don't know what it is. I think I think like a lot of it is an easy thing to compare it to is uh, supplements in in healthcare, right? Um, mm. And myself included, like I will tell you is that I'm the first person to buy a new product that comes out in turf grass because I want to see what it does. And if it's got a great yeah. story behind it, I definitely want to see, see what it does. And if it has one of those stories that sounds so outlandish that it makes my <laughs> head spin off my shoulder, like start talking to me about the quantum mechanics of getting electrons rotating at the same speed in the same direction uh, and everything within a 10 foot radius of this material also being affected to that same way. And I'm buying it like on the spot. And, and that's like legitimately one of the things I've been playing with for the last two years, because it, that, whatever reason that it, it affects me emotionally and I get sucked into it and I want to do it. And I think it, a lot of people, it resonates with them. Same with healthcare supplements. If I showed you every vitamin that I have in my, in my vitamin box over here, you know, I think most people would, would laugh at me because there's like 30 different bottles of shit over there. And, uh, and you know, the ridiculous thing is, is like the number of ongoing trials that I have going on that affect, you know, heart rate and, and, you know, physical output and, and different things that I, I look at for it because I get sucked into it. And I'll admit that, you know, 85% of 90% of them have literally zero measurable impact on any aspect of my life. Right. But I'm still, mm. I'm still the sucker for it and I've got to go get it. And I still consume the content for it. <clears throat> now, what I've had to learn how to do in that particular regard is you know, shut up and not leave comments on videos and tell people who <laughs> do focus on the basics that if you want to grow muscle, you need to do a hypertrophic type program uh, to induce the type of stimulus that that stimulates muscle growth, right? And not comment and say, you dumbass, all you need to take is Tonkat Ali and it's going to turn you into a master. You're going to look like Schwarzenegger, you're effing loser. Only a loser doesn't understand that, right? Because, you know, I've learned being a content creator is that, you know, when I read those types of things, it sends me to the moon, right? And I don't, I don't want to be that type of person. I digress. I've I, gone way off into left I, field. I, I got to tell you, man. It so two things. One, I I wish we would have pumped the brake when we moved into the house and just take a look at the conditions we have first, instead of, oh my gosh, we got to bring in this really fast, and then we got to do this really fast, and we got to do that really fast. I I would have pumped the brake, and and I'll chalk it up to turf boss for saying she's the one who said it. Like we should have, we should have just held off a little bit, studied our study our property a little bit more, figure out what drainage we got going on to your point, Ray, and then make a plan. But then this yeah, season, one of your guests, one of your guests mm -hmm. you guys had on Dr. Shaddix, he's the one that really made me think. And it's like, oh my gosh, if I, if I figured just those two things out first, I bet I could have a lot of success. And that was light and water. I remember him saying that he had the little chart, like why are yeah. we even tackling soil tests when we don't know how our light interacts with our property? And, is our watering Which right? Is, and so I, I started yeah. there and went down that rabbit hole to figure out how do I get the watering right? 
light i know goes from east okay. to west got that got it dialed in and and that's why paul you know i i'm fa- i'm fond of saying on this show all the time every time i deal with a guest i tell them you know what my favorite tools are for fixing fixing turf crash issues are you know what my favorite tools actually are i'm i'm going to guess Not the what you think. dollar watering hose that you get Glyphate. from walmart <laughs> no <laughs> no a d9 caterpillar bulldozer <laughs> chainsaw and trencher Ooh, chainsaw. Oh, those are my oh, favorite God. tools. No, and you know why? I'm going to get really squirrely with people when they tell me I have a tropical forest around my lawn, yet this lawn, I want this lawn to be perfect. Mm. At that point, I tell them, hey, you can either have your tropical forest or you can have your lawn, but you ain't having both. One of these got to go. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. Likewise, the bulldozer, Paul, comes in when I'm dealing with what I call soil conditions that are unsuitable for grass. Because at mm. that point, I'm not going to sell somebody, oh, I can spray this on your lawn and it's going to fix your soil. It's going to change the soil biology. No, I'm not going to pee on somebody's leg and tell them it's raining. Okay? I'm not mm. going to do that to them. Instead, I'm going to reel straight to them and I'm going to tell them, your landscaper fuck you over by bringing in dirt to where it don't belong and this dirt got to go. Well, you, one you thing know, I wanted I'm, to ask you guys real quick, and mm-hmm. this is something that's been kind of tossed around ever since I started getting into this and, you know, back in the, the DMO days was it, it takes... A, a long time and a good amount of product, if that's the route that you're going to go to really change composition of things. It's, it's not like a, a, a pump and dump. And then two seasons later, you've got the absolute best perfect scenario of a, of a soil composition to get things to grow. So am, it, true. You're not wrong. Yes. No. What, what are you true. guys? You're not, you're not wrong. However, uh, I do realize that there are certain conditions that are not correctable with chemical amendments. Okay. There are certain conditions that are not correctable. And that's when I tell people your next date is with a bulldozer. That's it. There, you know, your next date is with a bulldozer or a moving truck. One of the two. (laughs) I'm going to be a little less nuanced about this and say that, um, no, I may in two seasons, hundred percent, I'm not going to change soil composition into something that's going to create a perfect environment. But I can say that without a doubt, 98, 99% of the time in two seasons, I can have a lawn that is growing as good as it possibly can. And it, and sure again, 98% of the time, it's going to be an all-star looking lawn. And it's not that I'm changing the soil conditions. It's I'm using the conditions that are in front of me to change what mm. I'm doing on the property, right? There so it is. Yeah. the goal isn't to necessarily make the changes to the soil all at one time that's going to create this natural, perfect environment of, you know, set it and forget it. This isn't a Ronco, right? It's, it's <laughs> very much, it's just altering my approach, right? And it's like, again, when I, when I, I, I look at a soil test and I consistently have, you know, potassium 
uh, in as as thirty parts per million, you know, it doesn't it doesn't mean that I'm gonna apply, uh, uh, you know, six pounds of potassium that year and expect the next year when I test it to be at 160 parts per million, right? Um, and mm-hmm. you know, it's that I can apply somewhere between it, at minimum, if I'm putting down, you know, every two units of nitrogen put down, as long as I'm putting down one unit of, of potassium in that regard, I don't have to worry about anything, right? Like it's, it's peace of mm-hmm. mind. It just changed my approach to it. It's not that I'm trying to raise soil potassium levels. It's that I'm making sure that I have enough potassium with my fertility to make sure I'm not flirting with that minimum level of sustainable nutrition, that I'm not flirting with a decline of plant performance as a result of not having enough potassium, right? So, um, yeah. I, I, and so when I'm making my fertilizer s- selections in that regard, it's I'm looking for a 20010. I'm looking for a 30015, or if I, I got a good deal on a 20020, whatever the case may be, as long as it falls within that parameter, I know I'll be okay in that regard. Again, it's not that I have to change my soil test measurable potassium level right now, and it's going to stay that way for the next six years. And when I test it next year, and it's still at 30 parts per million in February again, I'm not freaking out and I'm calling, you know, the, mm. my local uh, department of agriculture. And I'm like, you effing liars. I've been doing it the way you told me to for the last six months. And I've still only got 30 parts per million of potassium, right? It doesn't matter if the grass looks good, you know, like, okay, that's mm. just the number that's in front of you. But as long as the grass looks good, because I made sure that enough went down with the end that I put down to not induce any sort of potassium deficiency related symptom that creates a, a decline in turf quality. It just changed the way it changed my approach to how I manage it. It didn't, I didn't go on this conquest of, you know, I've got to fix every deficiency that I see in the soil and bring it up to the, the upper end of the range. And then everything's going to be perfect. Take care of itself. It's not, it's not how it's going to, it's not how it's going to work. That's not how it works. Mm. And and you're not likely going to be able to make those changes in a season at all, or two seasons, or chances are probably not in ten seasons. So yeah, um, okay. just change the, yeah. the approach you take. Change the approach because uh, here's how I approach a soil test: the only time I will say omit a nutrient is if it's already fairly high on the test. Otherwise, my approach is to constantly feed. A very balanced, you know, fertilizer package. You know, that's why I'm a fan of certain products. Is I'm not trying to bump up one level. I'm just trying to constantly feed whatever the grass could possibly need. And the only time I omit something is if, say, I have the good fortune of, for example, having soil where. The guy before me was fond of throwing down, say, one three one mat. Then I can omit something if the if my predecessor was putting down one three one. And by the way, one three one is a very common thing here in Hawaii, extremely common. What so, What were you gonna say, Demay? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, mine's I think a little bit more uh, thirty thousand foot view, but I look at uh like what what Castleberry was saying is 
can you throw a bunch of stuff at it? And I think you have to first look at what the limiting factors are. Like, are there critical things that are going to be working against you that are going to mm. lower your lower your ceiling? Um, and then to your point, Matt, is using effectively what's there, right, to maximize those results. Mm-hmm. JPing, throw this thing up real quick. Somebody asked me about this. It reminded me of it to to talk yeah. about this. This so Shaddix has his own. I have my own now. Light isn't usually an issue on an athletic field, so I don't include it in this one. But it's a great, it's an absolute must-have in any other sort of ornamental um, or amenity turf, right? Golf course, mm-hmm. lawns, anything like that. But I think the point here is that um, things that we have that have the greatest impact on turf and turf quality and turf health are at the bottom here. But it's also ones that are really difficult to change, especially like in situ, like if we have to amend a certain landscape or a certain stand of turf right changing or adding drainage you know means we're either regrading or adding under drains that's a really really invasive process either way you slice it right so what do we have to work with on there irrigation same thing if we don't have it are we going to move hoses around are we going to do things to manipulate it above ground or are we going to go ahead and put an in-ground system either way it's either a pain in the ass or really expensive or maybe both right now as we get higher and higher we have more control over these things right and the last thing at the top here is that renovation, meaning that if we've sought to maximize this to the full potential, right, and use all those, um, you know, recognize all the weaknesses, right, and then push forth with anything that we control within, you know, mowing properly, fertilization, aeration, if you need to, that's more in sports fields that get compaction, things like that. But the whole point here is that if you can't manage against what you have that's detrimental to you growing grass right first and if you can't manage forward on the things that are helping you right uh it's going to be a tough road to hunt doesn't matter what kind of products you have you know so and more to the point to uh, more tangibly it would be you know we've talked about uh i can't remember we talked about this with any cooper i think way 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 back was uh you know he had a lot of disease problems and he's like what do i do how do i put together a fungicide program and you know that listen the, the most simple way would be the most detrimental or uh, recurring disease that you have, go all in on that and take care of that issue, right? Don't be afraid to spend some money on that and don't worry about the rest. If something else gets you, it gets you, you know, that's just, but as you add more layers, you add more complexity to your program, you know, those are further, those are things that influence other parts of it. And Bray and Matt both know this is that, you know, I try to influence more and do more by putting this product down to combat this. Well, that might, exacerbate another problem you know somewhere else in this triangle right so uh it's like taking the it's like taking the medicine to fix one problem that gives you 50 others right well and that's what i that's what i always tell tell clients is you know two things on this to visualize right so uh, the drainage irrigation any of these pieces right imagine if i shrink down if i have really crappy drainage right i don't have good grading i don't have under drains i have really really uh low percolation rate soil things like that right I shrink that drainage down. So imagine that drainage wedge is like a third the size of what it is. Now I've got it. Now let's go up the chain here. I've got an irrigation system in the ground, but it's like 30 years old. The nozzles aren't very good. The coverage is poor. You know, sometimes it doesn't kick on when it's supposed to. So I shrink that one down to about a third of its size. Now let's say that somehow the mowing gets out of whack. My pest management isn't on point. Surface management, you know, as far as uh, those are other things, but that's more sports related. But fertilization one of these other things is off right it's very easy for this to tip over okay 
So yeah. that's how we use it to visualize. The other thing that we tell clients not to do too is don't play turf pyramid Jenga. Like I think what you were saying, don't try to start pulling pieces out and expecting to get good results. So yeah. you know, the idea is to maximize to the extent possible what you can. And if it's not good enough, then you get up to the top and you're like, all right, now I need to renovate. You know, if you do all these yeah. things right and then right. you mitigate and manage for all these things and it's still not good enough, it still doesn't meet the, you know, um, you know, mm -hmm. the qualitative standards that you have for your lawn. It's time to start over. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where and, we ended up, right? It's just the, and everything <laughs> went sideways and it was time to just, all right, well, wait, let's just clear the table, take the arms, swipe it down the table. And yeah. let's, let's breathe for a moment and let's just take a look at wh where we have some problems. And for me, one of the biggest problems I think I had, my irrigation was just crap. If I could go back and strangle the guy that just threw all the stuff in the, in the cart and said, this, this is what you need. Go, go put this in. I would, but, uh, we're not going to rehash it. So for me, it was, well, let's, let's talk about that. Like yeah. explain to us what happened in 2021 that led to where we are in 2023 give us give us give us the rundown of the, um, of the chaos it so what really started it all was um we we were in a drought and we had water restrictions in place um so the crappy irrigation system that was installed um couldn't even run it that we could run it twice a week for 15 minutes and that's not 15 minutes per zone just 15 minutes flat it, it's Oof. like who's going to keep something alive with that nobody can so that slowly added to the dying of the turf i wouldn't say slowly because it gets you know surface of the sun hot out here but at the same time we had a japanese beetle invasion that same year so a lot of the sod farms and the turf that was delivered we had those puppies just lying dormant in there gnawing away at it and so you're putting in sod that's got these grubs just kind of chilling and the next thing you know, you've got the extension office going around to people's yards and spraying them down for these uh, Japanese beetles that are just kind of, you know, chilling, right? So that Wait, excessive who heat. Who was doing that? Yep. The extension office. Utah that State Extension Office. when you office. know you have a bad problem. Jeez. I remember it was pouring down rain that day, and they were got two guys in a truck, the other guys behind with the hose, just hosing people's yards down and then the next week you see him going around the city and hanging up the traps to capture the japanese beetles so it was a it was a problem man i i think i read in the news that it hadn't happened for like 30 or maybe 30 or 40 years the last time they had this problem but uh yeah i mean so we had triple digit heat for weeks on end we were in a drought nobody could water anything we had the Japanese beetles. I mean, it was just, it, it just felt like it was the perfect storm and absolutely terrible time to try and uh, get grass to grow. Perfect timing, right? Moving into a new house and you want to put in sod in the backyard so the kids could play on it and then it just dies. It's, it's a really good feeling. Made me really happy. So hmm. that, that was the starting point of, of, okay, well, that failed. That sucked. What do we do now? Well, luckily, yeah. We just were able to just, all right, well, it's all dead. Might as well just kill off what's left and start over. But again, when you guys had Dr. Shaddix on, he said, you know, the water and light thing really struck a chord with me. I'm like, okay, I really need to like be methodical about this. And so I started going down the path of 
wait a minute, what is my water pressure? How many gallons per minute do I have? Let me talk to the irrigation company and, and figure out what kind of water pressure I should have to my property and, and just kind of engineer it from there. Uh, and I quickly went down that rabbit hole and people talking about droplet sizes and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't go that deep. At the very least, I, I wanted to say, all right, if I want run, if I want to run one line, how many heads can I get on that line with the water pressure that I got? Let's figure that out. Let's at least start there and see if I can't get that under control and dialed in. And I felt like we we did that. We did a pretty good job. And that's another reason why I put in the landscape bed, to be honest with you, in the backyard was, all right, the space I had with the water pressure that I have, it wouldn't allow me to get the head to head from from the fence to where my concrete pad was. And so, yeah, there you go. It where that brown fence was, I had heads going all along that fence. And with the water pressure that it just was not throwing all the way back to the concrete pad. So it's like, Uh all right, well, let's, let's shrink it down a little bit so that where I do want turf, I can get that head to head coverage coming from the landscape bed back to the concrete pad. And so to be honest, that's where we started. We, we killed everything. We, we ripped it up and it's like, all right, well, we know we need to shrink it. Well, how do we do it? And what do we do? It's like, all right, well, let's put it in a nice decorative water bed or or landscape bed and uh, go from there. And so shrinking it down to a manageable size with the water pressure we got allowed me to figure out the heads that I wanted and the nozzles to get to to get the head to head coverage and at least get that turf uh, covered in a good manner. So that was kind of a starting point. I like something. I like something that I see in, in, you know, in that uh, photo of your uh, backyard. You know what I like about your your backyard uh, design there? I go ballistic have when I see gr- no, I go ballistic when I see grass next to a fence. Mm. That is a sore subject with me. Super sore subject for many reasons. Why is that? Number 1, light. Number 2, air movement. And number 3, if somebody has a different grass from their neighbor and there's grass growing fence to fence, the grasses will mix and contaminate each other. Mm. So, you know, I just, uh, because basically for me, that would be the other use of a bulldozer. Tear out all that freaking grass right next to the fence because they don't belong there. I don't want to see it there. (laughs) So you, you, you added the landscape beds, um, and, and I see, I see you've got, you've got some trees in there. Let me ask, what did you end up putting in, in those, in those places? Yeah. So, uh, two of the trees were just in the moment purchases, uh, in the middle, we have two golden globe peach trees that we put in, uh, and then on the far end. So if you're looking at the picture, over by the white fence, that is a gold ginkgo. And then um, on the far right is a sunset maple. Excellent. Uh, so nice. done. Uh, in, in, um, in picking the trees, I assume you did the peach trees uh, for practicality purpose, right? Like a little, uh, a, a little reminiscent of, of Georgia, but also in the opportunity that you get, you get some, uh, some peaches on the back end. You know, that's a win-win, right? Is that is that yep. is that kind of the thought process there? It, I actually love that. I yeah. love the nostalgia of it. I think that's actually incredible. Yeah, it was it was my it was my uh, 
seven-year-old, we were at the nursery and we were trying to pick out what we, we knew what we wanted on the ends and we were trying to pick out what was in the middle. He just absolutely loves peaches. And, mm -hmm. uh, we were just walking through the nursery. He saw the tag. It's like, Hey, this is a peach tree. We should do this. And my wife and I looked at each <laughs> other and we were both like, all right, I guess that sounds good. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little hat nod to, uh, to my hometown, you know, the peach state. And, uh, yeah, we just, mm -hmm. we, we hope in a couple of years, we'll be able to go back there, pick some peaches off and, uh, make a cobbler or something. So then oh, on cool. the, a ginkgo is in my opinion, one of my, my favorite trees in terms of aesthetics, it is just such an aesthetically appealing tree to me. Um, mm. and, and that, that very classic look, the, the beautiful brightness of colors you get, uh, especially in that, that transition of fall. Um, again, I, I, I think that's an absolutely fantastic tree. The, now I'm interested in the maple and the reason mm. why I'm interested in the maple is, is that as that one matures, uh, one, I think the, uh, from a, a co-beneficial relationship of, uh, shading into the house, you know, work on energy bill, I think from a practicality standpoint is great. However, you are going to lose grass in the long run. You have already shrunk down grass in some regard. You have a, a, a concrete pad to the next area, and I assume that's like an outdoor hangout area. Um, you know, you know, maybe, maybe some, uh, you know, extended area for, you know, having, having guests over kind of thing. Is that, is that what that's for? Future shed site, shed site that I have to put out with a water hose. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I like you see what i did there you see that. what i did i there? did yeah. see what you did there yeah uh, if you've if you've never been on the uh the uh, uh uh starting side of a structure fire i recommend doing it at least <laughs> once in your lifetime it's it's a good time um yeah so what i guess where i'm going with this is that you you're going to have to shave down more grass um were you were you totally okay with that when you when you were getting into it like you're like yes we're gonna put this in i know it's gonna be a big tree but you know what i would rather have the shade from the tree than the grass yes because the the for me the front yard is the main stage backyard that's something to play with day in and day out we went through so many iterations of what we wanted to do with the backyard what one idea was to completely plant in a mini orchard back there and no grass but we compromised and, and said, all right, well, let, let's get a little bit of grass growing back there um, and go pick out some trees to put along the fence line. Um, totally hear you on the maple. I, we, the re, one of the reasons we chose that one, quite honestly, when we go walking around the neighborhood, there is a, one street in our neighborhood. It's, got, it's just lined with these Pacific Sunset maples. And mm -hmm. one of them in the fall Half of it goes orange and yellow. The other half goes like this bright red. And we were just so captivated by that. We had never seen it before. We we're like, man, that looks pretty freaking cool. What is that? And so we went down the rabbit hole. We figured it out. We saw it at the nursery. We're like, yeah, we want that. And I, I didn't say it at the time, but I'm sitting here thinking to myself, that's probably going to grow big at some point in time. That's probably going to throw a lot of shade, which will be nice when it's, you know, hotter than the surface of the sun. Um, but I'm, I'm going to have to compete with that to get grass to grow back there. And if that's the case, so be it. Uh, you know, if, if we lose some more turf, whatever, I think it, in my opinion, 
I think it was worth it to put the tree in there to look at something that we know we're absolutely going to be in love with in a few years instead of something to just decorate and, and kind of be okay with. So yeah, I'm good with it. If we lose some turf, great. I think I we'll wish there was more that people comes. that took that kind of practical approach to it, you know, um, uh, and, and, you know, being okay from the get go of understanding, like, you know what? Yeah. I, you, I think, I think we're in a prime position of saying that already we've, we've had to shave out grass before. Uh, we like how it worked out. It actually, we were able to, to get a little more function out of what we have by doing so. And, uh, and, you know, see the advantages of it. Right. And I, you know, I think going into it with a plan like that and, and understanding that, yes, I'm going to have to cut grass now, but these are the advantages that we see from it. Uh, it outweighs the negatives that are going to go along with it. Therefore, you know, let's move forward in this regard. Uh, I think there's, there's a lack of forethought that a, a lot of times, uh, goes into landscape planning. One of my, one of my favorite things that I saw on the landscape side of things were, were people that did these monumental installs. And then two mm. years later, when their three gallons became five gallons or seven gallon plants, and then they have to go in and remove 30% of the plants that they installed mm. on the front end because it's so densely packed in there that it, it, mm. it no longer looks like a, like a functional landscape, you know, and it lost all of its yeah. aesthetic appeal so densely packed together and uh and and again a lot of that comes from a lack of forethought right it's just immediately served the function of plants in place that are going to look good right now not how it's going to look in three years not how it's going to look in five years after ever in you know that was obviously the approach you took with those plants right and uh and choosing yeah. to to which ones to put in and what was going to happen as a result of it and it, that's going to work out to your advantage i know and, uh, and again, I think that's just a, a great lesson that everyone listening should apply in every aspect of whether it's your home or a homeowner, uh, that you're consulting with, or that you do spray work for, you know, tell them if they are planning on doing a landscape install. And I'll say this too, as a spray guy, if you're a spray technician and you're, you're out there, you need to start learning this shit. Like Absolutely. it may not be in your job responsibility to do that, but I'm telling you, you start doing that and it's going to pay dividends for you in the long run. Uh, and it, it may not be an immediate thing that you can capitalize on, but in the long term, you're going to end up making a lot of money just by having that knowledge. It, it, it will pay. What are you going to say, right? For sure. For sure. Because, uh, Matt, you know, you just touched a nerve with me. You know why I'm fond of a chainsaw? You know why? Because... Of because of ill-planted trees up against foundations and shit. <laughs> Tree or else plant material packed too damn close together. Too much. Mm -hmm. Because you see, yeah. as you say, Matt, everything looks so cute when it's in that three-gallon nursery can. Mm -hmm. But you know here in the tropics where we have no winter, do you know what happens yeah. in two or three years? <laughs> it's monumental. It's a fucking monster in your yard, okay? <laughs> it's a freaking monster in your yard. And that's where that chainsaw comes in handy. That's where even a bulldozer becomes necessary. Because <sighs> fact of the matter is, is that here's the other thing about these overly dense landscapes. 
they become unmaintainable. Mm. Okay? They become literally what I'm going to call unmaintainable. They look trashy. They look overgrown. They look unkept unless some poor schlub is plucking at that damn thing every single week. And it's just a mess. It's just horrible. I mean, because Paul, I've literally told people that I've, you know, that I've wor- worked for. I told, you know what your yard actually needs? Your yard actually needs a bulldozer. Scrape all this crap out and do it right next time. <laughs> well, I think if you look at that picture, and this is a problem I think I see in a lot of landscape beds now that we're on the topic, is you throw it all in there because it looks good for the Instagrams. But for me, it's like, Uh we know for a fact, these are the four trees we want. Let's space them out. Let's get them established and growing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then we'll revisit if we want to put some, we do want to put stuff in between them. We just don't know what yet because who knows, maybe that peach tree is going to grow at a 90 degree angle and shade half the yard. Who knows? But let's, let's put it in. Let's let it grow and establish and we'll revisit. I'm not, I I don't want to just. Yeah, yeah, find out. I don't, I don't want to just throw things in there, let them start to grow and be like, oh, just crap, because, we got to rip that out. Yeah, because, just be- yeah. yeah because uh, I'm going to, you know, I've always uh, had an axe to grind with people that call themselves landscapers and landscape architects. I have a serious axe to grind with all of them in that I want to take them back to their work two years or five years after the job has been installed, and ask them, okay, guy, how the hell are we supposed to maintain this and make this look nice without tremendous expenditure of resources? How are we supposed to do that? You know, I'm asking a fair question. And I'm pretty sure this, this looked fantastic. A month after it was installed. I'm very sure. I'm not doubting that. I'm not denying that. I'm not, you know, pretending that it didn't look good. But then right now, two or five years later, this looks like crap. Okay? This looks like crap. And it's unmaintainable. What do they care? They got paid. (laughs) They got paid. What do they care? Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, here's the thing is that in the meantime, you have this property owner that's looking at this. And they're telling me, oh, but Ray, I spent 50000 or $100,000 to have this all put in. You know? It's like, what? It's like, I'm sorry, you're going to have Ray. to spend another $25,000. I've got earplugs in, and I'm running a chainsaw. For yeah. Full power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's like, you got to, yeah, unfortunately, you got to spend another $20,000 to have this shit all ripped out because there's too much of it and you got to keep it minimal because you know you know what really made me blow my gasket one day i had this former customer now former customer tell me oh my friend in california has this very pretty and nice and well-kept yard you know what i told that person i told her hey i'm gonna bet your friend in california doesn't have all this bullshit crammed into her yard and that's why it looks nice. <laughs> I had a, uh, I had a, um, an arborist. In fact, I think he was the uh, one of the one of the head guys at uh, University of Idaho, somewhere up there. Uh, I mm-hmm. may have been like North Dakota. 
Um, and anyway, I, I remember him. He said, you know, I've had I've had so much fun being in Knoxville, driving around and seeing all these houses with the sickest trees I have ever seen in their front yard. And um, and and he was like, I'm sure you're all wondering, you know, why why I would see all these these sick trees. And he explained, he said, a, a sick tree is a tree in isolation. He said, if you, if you look at a forest, they self-prune, they heal, they take care of themselves in their everlasting conquest of uh, fight for life and uh, fight for light and resources. And he said, you, mm-hmm. you do not see people with chainsaws in forest having to manage trees to maintain perfect shape and structure so that it get blown over in wind because it is a it is a um a, a community of sorts at which they they thrive they have adapted to exist in that condition so when you take something that is adapted to exist in that way and you plop out only one of them and you put them all alone in the middle of a of a of a, a square space and you expect it to just really enjoy being there. It's like you, you're you're joking. You know that's a that's a complete and total yeah. joke. So I I say that to say is that you know I love the fact that you even went with more than one tree, right? I think again if you're if you're in the in the uh, uh, business of of installing trees, to never go with one in singular isolation, or if you do, do understand the level of pruning and care that you need to. Uh, to maintain a single dominant lead uh, and maintain branch structure and you know what that type of pruning actually looks like right and I think there's a lot that you can learn on a very small basic scale from uh even uh um uh, what it, oh golly what is it called I'm drawing a blank on this word uh ray the the miniature Japanese uh, art form for for miniature trees what is um, bonsai. What is this called okay bonsai. I'm going to be very specific. Actually, bonsai is not even the correct word because when you're maintaining trimmed, structurally symmetrical plants in a landscape outdoors, that is called niwaki. Bonsai refers to plants growing in those containers or pots, but then Mm. niwaki is when you take a woody plant in the landscape and you keep that plant maintained and by the way guys that is something that i do i do that kind of trimming the exactly right so my my point with that is that um uh you know you can learn a lot by how they prune you know for single dominant leads on a on a very small practical scale right and if you learn to visualize you know you think you know a tree in in a singular area, like it should be pruned, you know, think of it as like an arrowhead, right, or a uh, almost mm-hmm. a, a diamond like shape, and uh, where you have that mm-hmm. single dominant leader, you know, uh, branch. One that's, lead, that's, yes. that structure you want to maintain. And if you look at bonsai, you know, a lot of it is based on it may be varying heights and stuff, but you still see that triangular arrowhead like uh, uh, structure with a with a dominant lead, right? And that's that's very important, not just for the aesthetic of the tree, but for the function of the tree, right? Uh, the, in the in the lifespan of the tree. So, again, I think you did great by planting them, you know, more than one there. And, and I would also uh, encourage other people to do the same thing. Talk to me about your front yard. What do you have all going on mm. in your front yard? Mm. <laughs> oh mm. man, <laughs> I you know, I, well first where it started on uh 
I was gifted a real mower. Some people affectionately know him as Gator. That was gifted to me by a friend who moved out here from Georgia as well. Uh, he had this old antique mower. He used it in his backyard because he didn't want to have, he had one there because it was like three stories below his front yard. And then he had one for his front yard. And he's like, I'm moving out there. I don't need the second one. You want it? I'm like, yeah, sure. Bring it on. Uh, and so I started cutting with that. And, um, Hey, low cut turf with stripes in it. I think everyone's going to stop and look at it and go, wow, that looks pretty good. But for me, I looked at it and I saw just all different shades going on. I mean, I overseeded it prior to getting that real mower just to try to get things to fill in a little bit better and try to make it look a little bit more put together, I guess. Um, but the result of that was now I've got a mishmash of a whole bunch of I kind of know what, but I don't know what the other half is. So going into this season, I knew I wanted to just scalp the crap out of it, keep it low. And if it started to die off, great. But uh, I, I mowed it all down with the idea of I'm going to set this thing on fire and start all over again with one grass type um, and just have a consistent color throughout it. And so that was the goal. Um, I wouldn't say it was the goal at the start of the season. That was my hope that I would get to that point uh, and I was planning for it. And luckily it worked out budget wise. Um, but yeah, so we scalped it. I scalped it all down. I hit it with a round of uh, glyphosate. Um, and then I didn't want to hit it with a second. round. I was going to, but for me and look, I don't want to get into the political realm of this, of chemicals versus no chemicals. If I can reduce the amount of herbicides I can put down, I'm going to do that. So after I hit with that first round of glyphosate, I took a torch to it and set the rest of it on fire to see what I could kill with that. Um, and then, uh, well, let me back up. Glyphosate, then watered for two weeks to see what I could get to just kind of grow back out. And then I hit it with a, a lawn torch, set it all on fire and uh, watered it some more. And then I raked the crap out of it, threw down some magical grass seed from somewhere in the midwest from this dude that's got like fifty thousand square feet of turf going on and uh <laughs> I, fer I fertilized it with some uh pixie dust and that's where we're at now we got it we got a beautiful stand of perennial rye grass going and i'm i'm kind of happy with it so there's the nuts oh. and bolts that's that was taken two days ago mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something in that I don't consider it political so much that you elected to burn off after you made that first glyphosate application because, you know, me, you know, Mr. Herbicide right here, my preferred method or technique after a non-selective herbicide application is literally a propane torch. And it's got nothing to do with politics, okay? I'm not a tree hugger, but yeah. my reason for utilizing a torch is because that reduces the amount of trash and weed seeds present in that area, and it just makes it clean up a lot easier. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with, oh, herbicides are bad. It's simply... A propane torch can be one of the most effective tools for turf grass renovation. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, look, I'm that not was gonna, a good move. 
<laughs> that was a good move. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say, yeah, that that was totally the route that I was going. Um, no, I don't. Not at all. Um, it was more so. Okay, let me reduce the amount of chemical I'm putting down. What are the alternative mm -hmm. methods? Let me go and research that. I know being from the South, people burning off their Bermuda lawns, the whole burn and return, right? Um, that was mm -hmm. a very common thing. So let me look into that a little bit more. What are the benefits of that besides reducing chemical inputs, all that kind of stuff? What, what, what's so beneficial about saying a lawn on fire and then replanting afterwards? I'll tell you what. And that, I'll there's tell tons you another of positives benefit. to it. Yeah, I'll tell you another benefit in that you know all the the phosphorus and potassium that that grass has taken up from the soil over the years. You you turn that into ash, and that ash goes yeah. back into the soil. You've instantly recycled nutrients right then and there, because you know when the American Indians burned off prairies. This was not a terrible thing because it controlled the weeds. But at the same time, those burned areas literally grew back better than ever because all of that phosphorus oh, yeah. and potassium present in the ash instantly cycled back into the, into the soil instantly. And by doing that, you're just recycling constantly. You're just cycle back the nutrients where people have this impression where oh my god fire is so bad wrong <laughs> no fire is literally nature's tool you know that is the ultimate reset right there a fire and you know even for me yeah. i'm a renegade in that fire is considered extremely bad polluting this that and the other here in hawaii you know what paul i give zero fucks i have a propane torch on my truck and i pull that out frequently i love it <laughs> i love it i i tell you, you what know, man I, I turned some heads that day out there with that little well, torch it was uh it was entertaining but here here's the thing but here's the thing paul is that you know i most frequently use this propane torch in all of the pavement seams and sidewalks where the weeds grow. And I get less nasty looks versus if I'm walking around with a sprayer. Oh, yeah. People know. No, people know. I yeah. mean, they see me with the, with the propane torch just lighting stuff up. They know. Where on the other hand, they see me out there spraying something. They're, they're shaking their head and walking away or else they're staring me you know, at me, you know, boring eyes into my soul. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, no, it was very satisfying to do it. And uh, I, I mean, <laughs> my back hurt like crazy afterwards. Uh, that wasn't in the best shape, mm -hmm. but um, it, I, great benefits from it. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy I yeah. went that route. And if I were to do it again, I absolutely would just go fire route for sure. Good man. <laughs> Good man. You won me over, Ray. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the you know I, I i think there's a there's a lot of theoreticals that go into you know is that uh one you're you're recycling a lot of potassium at one time by doing that um uh you know you're you're getting kind of a nice healthy mix of mineralizable carbon versus fixed carbon too uh you know between between you know the fully fully burned ash content and uh and and non uh, fully combusted material that's left over, um, heating of the soil surface, uh, unobstructed view of the sun of the soil surface. So there's kind of a, there's a, there's a, you know, a lot that, that parlays into it as to, to why you end up seeing so much of the aggressive results that you end up seeing. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll say is that, you know, any, anybody that's ever burned off Bermuda grass, it's kind of addicting because I mean, it's like, it's one hell of a green up the next year later. I mean, it was like, damn, that was, uh, that was pretty easy. The only thing you have to work out for is that, I mean, watch out for it is that, you know, do not, you know, in my case, I would say at least try it once, but if you're not in the position to do so, be careful of structure fires that can happen because, uh, you know, fire can get <laughs> under things. And then, you know, three, three hours later, all of a sudden it's, uh, it's a fully engulfed, fully involved fire. And, the responding firemen will give you the Heisman and and knock you out of the way to uh, to put it out. So, it's, I, it's I a, will it's a say, man, I wish I wish you guys could have been here when I told uh, my wife how I was going to go at it with round two. It's like I'm just going to set the lawn on fire. I <laughs> the the fear and the amount of I am so pissed off at you in her face on that choice oh, was no. just. I was just like, well, hold on, I don't think you understand what I'm trying to. I think in her mind, she thought I was going to dump some gasoline and strike a match, just throw it on there and just, you know, pull the lawn chair out and roast the hot dog. But, uh, <laughs> no, that, yeah. definitely not the case. <laughs> you know, Paul, and this is like speaking to anybody that's contemplating doing something like this. This is like a non-negotiable precaution. And this, I guess, in hindsight, is like relative to like what happened to you two, Matt, is, you know, whenever I pull out a torch, I always have a live water hose ready. So should this fire go where I don't want it to go, right there with the water hose dousing it, it doesn't have a chance yep. to turn into... I I don't want to say it, a shed fire, for example. It doesn't have that chance, and it doesn't have a chance to turn into a house fire or a car or a car, or a car fire because right there with the hose, it doesn't go any further than my intended area. But yeah. I gotta say that because a lot of people don't have that kind of common sense, Paul, a fire is looked at very negatively. And likewise, I have to also deplore this idea that you just go throw gasoline on, on an area and then strike a match. Because, by the way, my first lesson on that happened when I was about eight or nine years old when my grandfather told me, don't you ever throw gas on something and then try to light it. My grandfather literally told me that. He told me, don't. He told me, don't, because what will probably happen is that gas will go off 
and take me with it. He said that if you are going to, you know, use an accelerant or a fuel to help, uh, kerosene or diesel is a lot safer. If you are going to do that. I mean, but he told me under no circumstances do you throw gas and flip a match. He just said, don't. <laughs> and that has served me well over the years, by the way. Good so yeah, that's where that's where we're at. What mm-hmm. what is what does the next growing season look like for you? Are you done with the projects? Is yeah. it time to just sit back and enjoy it? Have a have a cold Dr Pepper, or are we doing <laughs> are we doing uh, basement waterproofing this year? What's what's on the agenda? <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it's never going to be done. I mean, we just the the landscape bed. Me we're not done with that. We're not done with that. On the far right side of that picture that JP threw up at the backyard, what you don't really see there is we left a space open along the fence um, to plant more trees down on that side. Uh, we got to figure that out. That big square next to the concrete pad, we want to put a garden bed in there. In between those two plots, yeah, there you go. And that far in there. Um, we want to put some trees along the fence there. Uh, we want to do a garden bed next to the concrete pad in between the two grass areas. We want to put some hardscape there, um, eventually build a shed for that, that pad there and, and get the, get the man hangout going. Um, so no, we're not done. And then look, we got to figure out how this grass is going to respond. I, you know, I'm, this is my first, uh, go with perennial ryegrass. I've never grown it before. I've never maintained it. I don't know what it takes. I'm learning. I'm doing my, as much education as I can possibly do to figure out what's going to happen between now and next season. And even when next season gets here, I know I'm going to have to overseed it again for sure. Um, but is it all going to die off and we have to start over again? Maybe who knows, but I'm ready for that. If that happens, we'll, we'll go back to square one and, and figure it out. So I, I think we're just going to continually learn. I, I don't want anyone to ever think that I know exactly what i'm doing and i'm going into this fully educated and know what the outcome is going to be because i i don't and i'm, I'm going to learn along the way i can sit with you guys i can sit with experts all day long and they can tell me you need to do x y and z because of this and that factor and this and your your property won't allow for this type of turf at the end of the day i i just need to go out there and i've got to put the work in and see how it's going to respond and learn that way. And that's that's what next season I think is going to be for me is sit back, look how all of this stuff is going to work. And if if it's going to die, if it's going to thrive, let, let's just see and let's learn from that and and adjust accordingly. Maybe that's an expensive approach and probably not the best approach, but that's the best way that I learn is just put the work in, do the best educated guess that I can I can make and and see what happens. So, no, I, I, I don't think that's the worst way to go about it. it. You know, whatever, in my opinion, whatever is going to bring about uh, the most joy for you, uh, especially uh, given what you put into it at this point. Um, you know, by all means, take take that route. And if if it's a situation, you know, again, anywhere where we, you know. We can fill a void, and this is is something that I particularly get off on. Right, is when someone is like, "Hey, look, 
Um, uh, I've I've got this budget concern, and I want to figure out how to get to X uh, and only spend Y dollars. You know, how do I get there? And mm-hmm. I I love I love tackling that. I mean, shit, Demay has a, a career out of doing that, right? And uh, and there's there's <laughs> fortunately, unfortunately, right? depending on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's, you know, that, that part of it is, is actually fun, right? Because a lot of times you can get so granular with all the random shit going on in your head that you, you confuse yourself or, and you, you know, you, you blind yourself of the, of the forest because of the, you know, the molehill that's in front of you or whatever. And so I, you know, having, having something to, you know, step back and take a look at it and be like, you know what, I'm just going to take a day and I'm going to sit on my back porch and I'm, I'm just going to vegetate and, uh, and not think about anything and then revisit it. Maybe I ask somebody, maybe I don't is, uh, is ultimately going to probably work out in your favor, favor rather than just making a rash, um, decision, you know, based on, you know, whatever you're emotionally feeling that day. Again, you know, I point to the fact that there's a reason why, you know, the first thing I do when something new comes out is go, is you know, as far as lawn care product is go buy it and have to try it is, is, you know, FOMO kicks in and, you know, I start lining up the, the 5,000 potential issues in front of me that this may fix for me. And, you know, you clutch onto the top three and it's like, oh, I just, ah, oh, I got to. And then you, you try it and it lets you down. And then you spend, you spend the next week wondering, I mean, why did I do that? did it again i'm at this point i'm 37 years old why do i keep doing this you know sometimes you just gotta accept that well i'm just a sucker that's why you know what many things because of my age i guess i'm just hard to impress hard to (laughs) i don't think that's your age ray i think that's just you being ornery (laughs) let's let's be honest well if, if, me being ordinary and also from an early age, having all of this nonsense that was pseudoscientific that didn't work, that ended up screwing me over, I'm yet even more skeptical. <laughs> if any of it actually worked, I think I'd be less ornery. I'd be a lot hey. more trusting. Yeah. I get it. You know? Trust me, Look, I man, it. <laughs> It, here, here's the mm-hmm. thing. I, I can honestly mm-hmm. say that this this season has been one of the most enjoyable lawn seasons I've ever had in my life. Even when I started back on the in the do my own days, you know, of of creating the videos there just because I I had to. And I say that because I'm finally at a point where I don't have to cave in to buying someone's product to get a result. I I'm truly out there just enjoying the process of figuring out how I can get my property look good. And if it works out, awesome. If it doesn't, awesome. I'll learn something and readjust and figure it out for the next season. And I, I feel, I, I, ho- I wish a lot of people would do that is just pause, pump the brake, sit back. Let, let's, let's figure some things out. Let's learn some things before we just go out there by X, Y, and Z, dump it on there or just shotgun blast it at the very beginning of the season that didn't work, give up and try again the next season. I, that's finally where I'm at. And I'm, I'm not trying to be self-promoting by saying this, but that's the whole goal behind my YouTube channel now is I'm finally at a point where I can just enjoy it. I'm creating stuff that I enjoy. to. I just enjoy creating. The lawn stuff is for me to go out there and do that. And I enjoy lawn work now. 
it's it's a thing for me to go out there and just have fun with it and that's ultimately what i'm trying to do and that's kind of hopefully the message i'm driving on the channel is that i'm I'm not about link in the description buy this go out and get you know four pallets of that i don't ever want to be down that path and i don't ever want anyone to look at me that like i'm an expert or i know what i'm doing again I, that's just not what i'm about i want to have fun i want to learn something if somebody else learns something along the way great but at the end of the day I'm just having fun, man. And I'm trying to get my yard to look good. That's it. Uh, let's let look yeah. at the quality of your content. That's, that's all I'm going to say is that, you know, in terms of, of production that. value, there's very few people that put that, that kind of production value into everything. And it, and it, it does exactly what you want to have come across. It does. What are you going to say to me? Well, I was just going to say that I, I think that we harp on it all the time. We, maybe tease people a little bit of uh you know i want to be told what to do and and you know doing things that are just dumb flat out dumb um but i think there's something to be said i think there's something to be speaking uh, about speaking to your tribe the people that are in the same vein that you are and however you choose to do that if that's intentionally you know from the start or if it i think you come from the same place that we do paul is that you just get up there and do your thing and there are a large group of people that just happen to enjoy that and that's just how it is and that's okay uh i think there's a lot of people that try way too hard uh to endear and ingratiate themselves through the links in the description through you know doing goofy shit and splicing in movie cuts and all kinds of other things that they think are going to get noticed and liked and it's just like hey just be an honest person be a genuine person and you know show people what you're doing and maybe they latch on or maybe they say hey I'll never do that, but I'm going to live vicariously through Castleberry, you know, and <laughs> there's somebody out there that's probably doing that right now. There's probably people that are like, man, yeah. I could never do that. And here he is doing it and he's putting on a video for us. So I don't know. There's something to be said for inspiring people, but there's, a, there's also uh, something to be said for just um, being that person that somebody lives vicariously through and enjoys just watching them do their thing from afar. And I appreciate that. About yeah. You, so ah, I appreciate that, man. And look, I, I don't want that to come off as me knocking anyone who does that kind of stuff. Hats off to you. You want to do, do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't Hang on. Have you watched our show? <laughs> uh Oh, <laughs> yes, I have though. No, and look, I, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, yes, I, I do knock some of that activity. It's not for me. I'm, I don't ever want to go down there. I've had people already knocking on the door and, and sending the emails saying, hey, you know, if you do this, the, here's a check that you get. I'm not interested in that. I've seen what comes with that kind of baggage. I don't ever want to be there. there. There's a dark side to it that I think a lot of people don't talk enough about. Um, and there's some ulterior motives to it. And I, I don't want to be in that, that crowd. I, I, you know, in my, Ryan Nor and I talk about this. We, we often talk that the system is broken. The the platform is broken because, um, it doesn't, it doesn't award those who are out there genuinely just having a good time and wanting to share their talent with other people. And that's what I'm trying to achieve here. And it just so happens that I enjoy growing grass now. And now I'm trying to figure that out and learn from that and whatever i learn hopefully translates through the video and and i learned something from that maybe somebody else will too 
but I also don't want to put other people like yourselves in a bad light. There's a lot of people that I've got to know through this community who are professionals that I, I don't want to put their careers in jeopardy by doing something that could be damaging. Um, and you know, ultimately have, have something pulled off the shelf that a lot of people could benefit from because I did something wrong in a video and now it's, I've got myself in a legal battle or hot water or something like that. Now I'm kind of going off on a tangent and I apologize, but I, no, you're not. Look, Bradley, I, Paul, I, no, you're not. I just don't, <laughs> I, I just don't want that to happen. You know, I, I just want it to be love doing lawn care, love creating content. It's there. If you enjoy it. I'm happy to have you. If not, it's not for you. That's okay. Go, go look at the, you know, 50 other channels that do it too. But yeah. You know what? Here's, here's the difference with you is that you literally do not have products or equipment to promote or sell anymore, right? You have none of that. Oh, thank goodness. And likewise, no, and likewise, you know what? I can be here and frankly, I give zero fucks at this point. And you know what would be really neat? Is if and you know what the fortunate or unfortunate thing is, Paul, almost nobody from Hawaii even watches these shows. Okay? Nobody from Hawaii watches these shows. And even if they did, I wouldn't care. Because <laughs> at, at that point I'd call it career suicide or whatever, and I wouldn't care. Yeah. That's a thing. Okay, I would I would not care. I would not care because uh, I'm old enough to not care. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> I look forward to that day. <laughs> That's quickly approaching. Yes, it uh, is. All right, we are going to wind this up. Do you have anything else for us? Uh, do you want to do you want to make fun of us real quick? Uh, call us mean <laughs> names, condescending things. Uh, tell us we're stupid. <laughs> anything above and beyond. You are a fucking pussy. Indeed. <laughs> that was not me. Yes, we are. Spencer. Yes, Thank we Spencer. are. <laughs> oh, man. Look, I, I, uh, I've just come to respect this community. Um, there's a lot of good people in it. There's, there's tons of knowledge to be had. If somebody's a newbie and they, they want to start, you know, right now, there, there's so many people who are willing to share that information with you. And I just, I, I'm just appreciative of everybody that's willing to step in, correct me when I make a mistake or point me in the right direction. And uh, yeah, just get me on the right path. I just, I, I really appreciate that. And I feel like we need more of that. When I first started getting into creating lawn content again for Do My Own, it was a good solid group of people. And Matt, you remember those days? I mean, it, there was, we all kind of sat at a table together and we got along because there was a common thread um, and that was grass. And uh, I think we've kind of moved away from that, sadly. And I wish it would get back to a point where we all just want to get grass to grow and we enjoy doing it. We're the weekend warriors that go out there, love to mow the yard, watch the kids run around in the background and play in puddles and throw a football around or something like that. And uh, I, I just wish we could kind of get back to those kind of days where we were just having fun, making some content, making grass grow, but also just being respectful of everybody's knowledge and where they're at and, and that kind of stuff. So I, I just want to say thanks guys and everybody else that's in the, in the discord group and the lawn forums and 
all the other chat groups that I'm a part of that's kind of feeding into this stuff. I appreciate you guys. I, I really do. So there, was that good? Do I get an Oscar uh, now? What, what's is that it? That, that, that was good. <laughs> you win the, sir. Uh, you win the Emmy. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was heartfelt. It was probably more heartfelt than I was, uh, than I was prepared for. And, uh, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> do something to undo all that. And, and so I'm going to say, it. uh, uh, sorry, Castleberry, but those days are over. It's all died oh, yeah. by the, by the wayside yeah. and it's never coming back. I'm just kidding. I'm, that's, that's terribly <laughs> pessimistic. And I'm surely the, the, the more optimist of everybody on this panel here. Um, seriously, thank you for coming on. Always, always a, a pleasure. And, uh, Love Thanks for having me. Love, love the uh, the the con the con one the content you put out, but even more so, uh, I love I love hearing the, the the nostalgia that goes on in your head, uh, because um, if for all men that are that are out there, uh, especially men with families, uh, Castleberry is the the person that you should all look at and uh, be inspired as a positive role model in your life as a husband, as a dad, and as a man, and strive to be more like. And I mean that from the absolute fucking bottom of my heart, um, that those people are out there, and Casper is one of them, and uh, and I, I do not use that lightly, uh, by all means. So uh, do check it out. We are going to head out of here and, uh, and continue to make an ass out of ourselves. Um, and if you would like to do that, you can do so as well at patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Uh, we have to buy our friends because we have horrific personalities. Uh, nobody enjoys <laughs> us, and uh, no one gives a shit about our tiny little corner of the internet that we hang out with. So we we get on here, and at the beginning of shows, sometimes, uh, mostly at the end of the shows, we beg for friends because we're lonely and sad and depressed and decrepit and uh, frail, falling apart, <laughs> egotistical, uh, cluster B personalities. Did I, did I cover thank it all? You, oh, yeah, uh, thank you, Matt. Oh, thank you, Matt. Go ahead and hit it one more time. J-Pink, uh, I just want to be remembered uh, as... Um, you are a uh, fucking pussy. I am what I eat. Y'all have a good one. Bye! <laughs>